tonight to the book of Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter number 17. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1 and then jump down to verse number 5. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Now, text verse tonight, verse number 9, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. There's... Absolutely no doubt that all of us fail on many different fronts. There's no one who could stand up tonight and say, I have attained perfection in every area of my life. Because in some way or another, as much as we might excel in some ways, we fail in other ways. But our biggest problem is not seeing the problem because we, in general, fail to see ourselves as we really are. And we, you know, we tend to think that we're experts. Sometimes we think we're experts when it comes to judging others. But we really fall flat on our face when it comes to judging ourselves. You know, we think we know what everybody else needs, but we fail to see what we need. And you know, that's bad enough, but to make it, make it even worse, so many times we can't keep our mouth shut because we feel like that we have got to comment, you know, explain our thoughts and feelings about other people. And so when you look at the world in general, you have to say, you know, it's no wonder that things are like they are. Uh, because the whole world is living in a state of confusion, and the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And it's a big problem, folks. M man is terribly confused. That's bad enough. He's terribly confused, but he doesn't know it. For example, oftentimes we hear people say, well, you know, man, I think, is basically good by nature. But it's just the opposite of that. By nature, we are sinners. And the, the heart of the natural man, according to our text here in verse number 9, is deceitful and it's depraved. And 
So it's no wonder that we can't understand one another because we don't even understand ourselves. A famous novelist in Russia said many years ago, he said, Nothing is easier than to denounce the evildoer. Nothing is more difficult than to understand him. There's a lot of truth to that. It's so easy for us to look at the faults of others and to denounce his failures, but boy, it really gets difficult when we try to put ourselves in that person's shoes and understand you know, what they've gone through or what they're going through to understand their situation, and we just can't do it. You know, so many times we think we understand their situation, but we don't. And the reason we don't understand their situation is because we don't even understand ourselves. There is a deep, a dark, disturbing side to human nature that is beyond our ability to understand without God's help. By nature, we are capable of the most horrible things imaginable. So many times we think we know what is in another person's heart, and in reality, we, we better be glad we don't know what is in the other person's heart because we would be no doubt shocked if we really knew the content of every person's heart. Yeah, a common saying, you hear people say it all the time, is, you know, you're just fooling yourself. That's really true. And you're doing it too. We're all just fooling ourselves. It's true of every single one of us because we are lying to ourselves and Trying to understand yourself is like looking in one of those distortion mirrors. We had a place called Dolan Park in Springfield where Bev and I grew up. And there in the park was a little amusement park. And nearly every amusement park has those distorted, the house of fun or whatever they call it. And you go in and you got these distorted mirrors and you get this one here and you're about... 12 foot tall and, and 6 inches wide and you go over to the next one and, and you know you're about 3 feet tall and about 5 feet wide and everything's distorted you never get a true picture and, and that's exactly the way it is in our case because we're deceiving ourselves as a result of the natural condition of our heart and the problem is all of us like to put ourselves in the best possible light, don't we? Because we want everybody else to think highly of us. That That's just a part of who we are, you know. I don't think there's anybody here that wants everybody to think the very worst of you. We all, you know, want people to think the best. But uh, uh, we actually deceive ourselves because we're living under the influence. You say, well, I haven't had a drink all day long. But you're living under the influence. You're living under the influence of a heart that is deceitful and depraved. So we don't need somebody else to come along and to lead us astray because we do that ourselves. And a part of the reason I read all of those verses was because of the fact that it mentions, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. And that's not only talking about you trusting others, it's letting you know you can't trust yourself. 
you're not trustworthy. We, we like to think that we are, but given a certain set of circumstances, and, and, and at, at a particular time in our life where maybe we're discouraged, maybe we're ill, but we're under pressure of some kind or another, and we're liable to do things that we ordinarily would never do. We're liable to do things that we thought we were not even capable of. And so, so it's easy to see that we're deceiving ourselves and there's nothing in the world more common than this because we do it without even knowing it. And that's the, the point he's trying to make here. We don't know if the heart is deceitful. Notice he doesn't say the heart is deceived, but the heart is deceitful. It's not like you've just been deceived. It's like you have deceived yourself. To really complicate matters is that we don't know how to fix that problem. Because none of us have the innate ability to do as we ought to do. Look in chapter number 9 and verse number 13. So many times we think, you know, given a certain set of circumstances and give me enough time and I'll figure out how to solve this problem. Well, I want you to notice what he says in verse number Chapter 9 and verse number 13. And the Lord saith, Because they have forsaken my law which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked, notice, after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam which their fathers taught them. Now look in chapter 10 and verse 23. O oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Now get this. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Boy, you talk about a, a blow to your ego. I mean, that's it. Because he's not talking about a few select men that are a bunch of dummies. He's talking about all of us. And the way of man is not in himself. He does not have the ability. That's me, that's you, that's all of us. We just don't have the ability to walk as we ought to walk without divine help. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I mean, it's been very few times. I've spent a good part of my life in the woods, and I can remember only one time that I was really what you would say lost in the woods. I was on a deer hunting trip up by Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, got way back in there and was trying to figure out how it was going to get back by dark. And I mean, I, I found myself, like people generally do when they're lost, just going in circles. You know, you go down this valley or you climb that hill, you know, and, and then you think you, you know, get up on the hill and you get a vantage point and see where to go next. And you get up there and all of a sudden you scratch your head thinking, well, you know, I was here 30 minutes ago. That's, <laughs> I came up the same hill. And, and so we just find ourselves going in circles. Now, the point is that some people have spent their entire lives going in circles and they, they don't even know it yet. They're still going in circles, and they don't know it. Uh, you know, 
that doesn't mean that you've robbed banks. It doesn't mean that you've mugged people. It doesn't mean that you've committed some horrible crime. It just means that you are wandering aimlessly through life, going in circles, never getting to the place that God wants you to be. That's caused more problems than we can even begin to imagine because it affects every area of our life. What happens is we make decisions based on unreliable information. As he said, you know, cursed is the man that puts his trust in man. And so whether it's ourself, whether it's some other source, might be a professor in college, it might be a preacher, it might be a neighbor, it might be whoever, but some way or another, we depend upon unreliable information. And as a result of that, we have to suffer the uh, consequences. And sadly, sometimes we just keep doing that over and over and over again throughout our life. And our pride and our stubbornness causes us to keep consulting ourselves instead of going to the source of truth for the help that we need. Now, a lot of people said, you know, preacher, there's something wrong in my life. I can't put my finger on it. You know, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven when I died. But, but there, there's just something missing. There's something wrong in my life. I, I, I just don't know what it is. And what they're really saying is, I'm just going in circles. I have no direction in my life. I have no sense of purpose in my life. And... Uh, the problem is we're depending upon our own natural reasoning or upon the advice from someone else or our gut feeling, as sometimes we call it, instead of looking to the Lord to find the direction that we need. Because the Bible says God's not the author of confusion. God's not trying to confuse any of us. God is the... You know, He's the good shepherd, by the way. He's in the business of leading us in the way that we ought to go. But so many times, because of our pride, we don't want to admit, man, I'm lost in the woods, I'm going in circles, and uh, we fail to attribute to ourselves what the Bible says is true of us. Think about that a little while. We fail to attribute to ourselves what the Bible says is true of us. And even those of us, you know, that we confess that we're a sinner, we believe Christ is our Savior, and so forth, as so many times as we're reading the Bible, and we like to think of ourselves as the most loving person on the face of the earth, or the most joyful person, or the most contented person, or whatever it is, just name any particular quality that you might want to discuss. And we like to think of ourselves as really having to handle on that you know we we're really successful in that area that we look at the bible and we examine the evidence and all of a sudden we begin to realize that wait a minute you know i'm not so successful as i as i think i am and still there's something within us that does not want to admit that so the problem is we don't know the truth when we hear it why because of the deceitfulness of the heart. Listen, we are, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. We are in grave danger when we are in grave danger and we don't know it. You see, it's one thing to be in grave danger and to be aware of it. 
Because if you're aware of the danger, you can take steps to protect yourself. You can, you know, you can figure out a plan of action or you can do something. But when you're in danger and you don't know you're in danger, that's dangerous. And that's exactly where we find ourselves so many times because, you know, to be in danger and to think you're safe when you're in a deadly situation uh, could get you killed. Whenever we're Whenever we feel safe, sometimes it causes us to take risks that we never would otherwise take. Whenever I was a boy climbing trees, there wasn't a tree on my side of town that I hadn't climbed at least one time. If it was a tree, I thought that God must have put it there for me to climb. You know, and I naturally as a kid, you want to not just climb the tree, you want to see how high you can climb up the tree. And uh, you learn a lesson pretty quick after a fall or two. You learn that before you put your foot on a little old limb, that you have a good hold on another limb or something. In other words, you've got to maintain those contact points. Because just to get out there on a limb and just to think that it's going to hold you could get you hurt real bad and so if we think we're safe you know we we take risk and the same thing's true in our life because there's so many times you know we don't have a safety net we don't have a lifeline and 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 we're in dangerous territory and our heart is telling us hey everything is all right it's deceitful Whenever I was thinking about this message uh, this week, and, and I just wanted to focus on this because I, I'd actually thought about doing a series I'd done years ago just on the subject of the heart. And, and it takes eight or ten weeks to go through all of the different, uh, all of the different messages related to that. And I don't know that I'm going to do that, but tonight I just want to talk to you about the heart itself and the trouble of the heart. And, well, I mean, this just sums it all up whenever we see that it, it is, it's deceitful, it's depraved, it's something we can't trust, it's something that will lead us astray. It's, somebody says, well, just follow your heart. No, don't. Whatever you don't, just follow your heart. It'll get you in trouble. It's deceitful. Now, how do you fix a problem like that? Because even after you've been saved, you know, the Bible doesn't say that immediately upon your salvation, all of a sudden you'll think clearly and everything's going to be all right. Until the day we die, we're going to have a problem with the heart to some extent or another because it's never going to be something that we can fully put our trust in. We need more guidance than what our heart is able to provide. So how do we fix this problem? Well, there's one thing for certain. Man hasn't fixed it yet, right? I mean, you just look around the world today in the condition that we're in, the general condition, whether it's in you know, the area of politics, whether it's in church or whatever it is, the condition or the state of the family today. And wherever you look, it's pretty obvious that we haven't even come close to fixing the problems of our society. 
It's kind of like it was in the days of the judges when it says, And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Think about that. Just all, let's all just do what we feel is right. Can you imagine trying to operate a church that way can, or a business that way? You know, if, well, if that's, if that's what you think, you just do that, you know. You, you just can't function that way. And, and in both cases, in both cases, you can see where this, this gets us. Just doing what is right in our own eyes or following, you know, the, uh, the false information that someone else gives us. So the question is, what can we do? What are we going to do? Well, there are four or five things I want to mention and I'll be through. First of all, we have to comprehend the importance of the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says concerning the heart, it tells us that out of it are all of the issues of life. All, now think about that. All of the issues of life are lodged in the heart. It's kind of like the hillbillies say back in Missouri and some of the other places in the south. You know, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Jesus spoke about that, didn't he? He talk about, talked about the fact that whatever is in the heart eventually comes out either in word or deed, but eventually what is in our heart is revealed in some way or another. It's there and it's going to get out. So if all of the issues of life are within the heart, I mean, if that is the core, the, the very center of our being, then it behooves us to realize that this is an extremely important issue in our life. It's something that we absolutely cannot ignore. So we have to comprehend the importance of the heart, but then we've got to go beyond that. We have to actually check our heart, that is, examine our heart. The little chorus that, uh, that we sang, Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Well, what a great prayer that is. We ought to be praying that all the time. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, Only God, now wait before you, anybody says amen, just hang on a little while now. The preacher said, Only God and you know what's in your heart. He was wrong. Only God knows what's in your heart. You don't. You do not know what's in your heart. Whenever I say you don't know what's in your heart, I'm talking, I'm talking about the full content of your heart. You, you know something. You know there's some bitterness there, some anger there, or, or looking at it from a good standpoint, you, you, you know that you love certain people or whatever. It is. So sure, you know some things about your heart, but you don't know the full content of your heart. There are things about your heart that's too dark and deep for you to understand or for you to know, and only God knows that part of you. Psalms 139, and boy, the psalmist understood the importance of, of needing God's help when it comes to this matter of us examining our hearts. Psalms 139 and verse number 23. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me 
and know my thoughts, notice, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, he's not asking God to examine his heart so God will know what's in his heart. God already knows what's in his heart. So that's not the point. Whenever he asks God to search his heart, notice, and he closes by saying, and lead me, he's wanting God to explain or to reveal to him the content of his heart because he understands he doesn't know all that is there. We so easily deceive ourselves. Uh, Our pride, you know, that we don't want to admit, you know, and we might have bitterness there or malice there or whatever it is. And we do, the last thing we want to do is to admit that. And so we keep just letting our heart deceive us and, and, and refusing to really, really check out our heart. And then we need to confess, confess our need. I think about, you know, David, and I mentioned him this morning in Psalms 51, that great prayer of David where he was confessing his his sins before God and uh, naturally we never deal with our problem until we confess our sins that word confess there in first John 1 9 where it says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness the word confess means to agree to come into agreement with It has to do with us agreeing with God about what God says about our sin. So we have to get to the point that we not only examine our heart, but we have to confess our need, which leads to the cleansing of our heart. Turn over in James chapter number 4 for just a moment. James chapter number 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and notice, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Here James is pleading with the people that there be a cleansing of their heart, and that cleansing is the, you know, comes from us having examined our heart, having confessed our sin, coming clean, as it were, about the sin that God's revealed in our life. And then we could go on and talk about the great need for us to commit our life to the Lord. You know, it's one thing to get right with God. It's another thing to stay right with God. I think every time we ask God to forgive us or something, we ought to, right following that, we ought to ask God, Dear Lord, not only do I need your forgiveness, I pray that you'll give me the strength that I will not have need of it again in this regards, that I'll not fail you again. Because there's so many times, you know, we just, oh yeah, we've come face to face with our failure because maybe maybe it, it was put on public display and everybody knew it. So consequently, we know that to save face, we've got to do something about it. So we confess our sin, quote, unquote. We confess our sin, and it's not 24 hours before we've turned right around and done exactly the same thing again. 
And that's why in, not only do we have to confess our sin, but there has to be a commitment of ourselves to the Lord. Now, look, I want to be clear about this because I don't want, I don't want to try to make this more simple than what it really is because seeing the truth about ourselves is something that is extremely difficult. And again, it's because our pride dislikes examination. We're afraid of what we might find. Here's the truth. The truth is that uh, in most cases we're worse than what we imagine we are. Really. Now, you might think that's not true of you, but if you really get into the Word of God and prayerfully let God speak to your heart, it won't be long before you'll discover some things about yourself that'll make you realize, you know, I'm not as holy and I'm not as righteous and I'm not as good as I, as I thought I was. So we are confronted then by these irrefutable facts that prove that we failed, right? We get in the Word of God. We're in an attitude of prayer. We want God to show us, you know, the, the faults of our heart. And all of a sudden, we have these irrefutable facts because they come straight from the Word of God. They give evidence that we have failed God. And here's the problem, is that we have a tendency to rationalize the irrational to defend the indefensible and excuse the inexcusable. I mean, I, I, I think we probably do that all of the time. You say, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, I'm, let me illustrate. There's so many times we think, we, you, know, you know, that, uh, that we don't really have an out-of-control temper, let's say, whatever it is. You know, because, you know, we keep a lid on it. We might be seething inside, but we keep a lid on it, and uh, we hide it as it were from others until finally all of a sudden it becomes obvious, okay, yeah, I have to confess. I'm forced to confess because it's leaked out in some way that my failure is obvious to everyone else, but... <laughs> but if you knew what I was going through, and here we go with excusing the inexcusable. Instead of dealing with our issue, we want to try to find some way to excuse it. And uh, whenever God shows us how sinfully rotten we are, what happens? We tend to bristle up. Because that's the, that's the last thing we want to hear, but it's the first thing that we need to know. How awful it would be for us to, you know, to read our chapter a day in the Bible and to spend our five minutes a day in prayer and, and uh, for God to reveal a problem in our life and then for us to just walk away like everything's a-okay. Now, let me sum this up. What do you suppose would happen if every Christian got brutally honest about themselves? If everyone, if we just got brutally honest about ourselves, not our neighbor, not somebody else, but I mean ourselves, what, what if we stopped hiding behind the mask of pretense? And what if we stop just pretending that everything is well? 
What if we stopped ignoring the critical issues in our life? Some folks have the idea as long as they're faithful in church attendance, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to follow any other commandment. But there are critical issues in our life that we need to be aware of. What if we stop just relying on our reputation? Everybody thinks well of me and that, you know, that's good enough for me. They all like me. They all think well of me. What would happen if we'd stop relying on our reputation and see ourselves for what we really are? What if we stopped blaming others? What if we stopped excusing ourselves? And what if we started examining our own heart in the light of God's Word? What if we started considering our character, not our reputation? What if we started focusing on the major issues in our life and taking full responsibility for our failures and confessing our sin and doing our duty? Well, what if? Well, the fact is, I don't know what if. I, 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 I confess, I don't know what might happen. But I'll tell you one thing, I know it would be a whole lot better than what it is. We'd be a whole lot better off if we did those things. And if I, if I had to just put it in one word, I think that one word would be revival. There would be a revival if we would just start doing those things. What if? One last question. I promise I'm through. Why not? Why not? Think about the difference it would make. What if? And the next question is why not? You can't trust your heart. I can't trust my heart. But we can always depend on what God says. And you read that whole chapter and read the entire book of Jeremiah. And you see what happens when people follow their hearts and do what's right in their own eyes. And it's, it's, it's horrible what happens to people when that happens. Let God tonight, let God show you what's really in your heart and, and then deal with it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just stand amazed tonight that You are so patient and so loving with us. And Lord, we don't know all that is in our heart, and we dare not trust our hearts. But Lord, we, we surely know enough, if we're honest, to know that there are things there that shouldn't be, that there are whatever it might be, things that you've already revealed to us that are displeasing in your sight. And I pray tonight you'll help us to, to humble ourselves before you and to deal with those issues in our life that, that rob us of such great blessings and hinder us and hurt us in so many ways. Cleanse, cleanse our heart tonight, dear Lord. Make us vessels that are fit for your use. And help us to leave here tonight in a spiritual condition to where we can better minister to those in need 
and live a life that will exalt our dear Savior, for we pray in His name. Amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing a verse of invitation.